Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Battlefield Show. I am Scott Gibson, your Commander-in-Chief, guiding you through the battlefield of life. You know what you're here for. No more messing about. Stick the tape in. Hit the track. Onwards! Episode 16. Eh? How the fuck have you been, Tim? Now, first of all, let's get the apologies out of the way. I've kept you waiting. Um, You know, it's been two weeks since the last episode. This episode should have been out last week. And uh, it was a fucking brutal week, man. But we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that at some point during the next hour and a bit. Um, but let's just say we're back and it's fucking good to be back, man. I hope you have been well. I hope you have had a fun week. Um, I'll also apologise up front. There seems to be, I don't know if they are digging up every square inch of my road currently, but there is a hell of a lot of, um, I was going to say workmen. I'm going to say lazy fat bastards just standing about doing pretty much fuck all, but, um, it seems as though it's gas work. I hope it's gas work, because if no, there's a fucking hell of a smell of gas in the street. But if you can hear a wee bit of background noise, um, I apologise. Um, I'll try and... I was going to say we'll try and sort that in post, but hey, I don't know how to sort that in post, man. Eh? I fucking record my chat, we upload it, and we fucking see what happens. But thank you to everybody who 
Thank you, first of all, to everyone who got in touch last week. It was um, it was it was nice. Um, quite a few of you got in touch just to say you hope I was doing okay, and I'm okay, man. I'm fine. I was just having a bit of a shit weekend. Um, so yeah, but we'll go on to that, right? First up, uh, let's get the usual housekeeping shit out of the way. Um, the tour kicked off in East Kilbride uh, at the end of January, and uh, we need to talk about that as well because um, yeah, that was a that was a mixed night. Um, but we are back on the road again, February 7th, Barfields Theatre in Largs, there is currently one ticket left for that, so um, get onto that quickly if you want to come along, February 23rd, we move north to Webster's Theatre in Arbroath, which is is run by amazing people, and it's a beautiful room, um, so if you are in Arbroath or near Arbroath, get up there on February 23rd, and then March the 7th, in Glasgow, it's the brand new show, which is yet untitled, um, but that's going to be the first run out of the brand new show, and I think at the last check, there was like 35, maybe 36 tickets left um, for that, so as always, for all these tickets and all the upcoming tour dates, go to the website, scottgibsoncolony.co.uk, click the links, and get your tickets there. So, a lot has been happening, man. Um, the fucking bull Chinese are still trying to kill us. That's uh, Disney seem to. Be, it's pretty. It's, I mean, that's died down quite a bit. The old fucking Lacaronia. Um, I am impressed at this. Well, I'm impressed. Really, this is the thing. There, there seems to be a lot recently about the speed in which the Chinese government has built that hospital. Because they seem to have built this hospital. Well, they built it in 10 days. But I don't know how many people... I don't know if it holds 1,800 or... If it's bigger than that. Long story short, the Chinese government have built a new hospital to house um, the fucking outbreak patients um, for the La Caronia uh, virus. And uh, people seem to be up in arms at... The speed in which they built the hospital. The usual bullshit like, how is it the Chinese can build a hospital in 10 days and I can't get some to fucking do my skirting boards? What you need to understand is we don't have as many slaves as they do in China. This, this is the thing where like, the Chinese, the Russians and the Saudis, right, which I admire, and I, I have said this before in the past, and people have looked at me with uh, screwed up faces as if I am the son of the devil, and I may very well be, I do not know, I imagine when my time comes, Bielsa himself may come and collect me, I do not know, but you've got to admire Chinese, Russians, the Saudis, because they don't fuck about you know they they don't they don't fuck about, right? If they tell you, hey, listen, don't don't do that, right? And then you go, what what? Don't do what? And they go, let's see that. Just don't do that, all right? And then you do it. They murder your family, and there's some there's something comforting about that. Now, no, for the obviously the families that are getting fucking murdered. You know what I mean? Because. And see if you're going to get murdered off somebody, you don't want to be the Chinese, the Russians or the Saudis, because again, they don't fuck about, right? That should just be 
That should be the slogan. Whenever you go, right? Welcome to China. We don't fuck about. That's it. Welcome to Moscow. We don't fuck about. Eh? You go to Saudi. Fucking, I don't know how they talk Saudi, right? But again, welcome to fucking United Army Emirates. We don't fuck about. Right? That's what it should be. You piss them off. You get fucking chopped up. Then they chop up your family. And maybe a couple of your neighbours as well. They get shit done. You know? We need to build a hospital. We, we need to build it quicker though. That's fine. How, how long will it take? 10 days? There's no way you can build a hospital in 10 days. Watch us, mate. We're Chinese. Get every fucking digger in here. Every guy with a hard hat. In fact, they don't have a hard hat. Every cunt with fucking two arms and a shovel. Get the bastard in here. Listen, boss, we've got fucking who long on the phone. He says he can't come in because he's on another job. Bang! Deed. <laughs> I remember I was in Abu Dhabi, right, a couple of years ago. On holiday, and you would literally go to sleep. And you'd wake up in the morning, and like another building had been built, or another road had been laid. And I'm I'm not even exaggerating. They, they can't, they, they work at night. Right, they can't even really work during the day because it's so hot. They can't even look pour concrete because it doesn't set because it's that fucking hot, man. Right, which again shows you, well, shows me anyway. You're no meant to fucking live there, right? You're no meant to exist there when it's so fucking hot. You could fry an egg in the pavement, but you would literally go to your bed at night. You'd wake up the next day. You'd maybe come out the hotel, you'd look out the window and go, oh, it's fucking, cunts have built an Eiffel Tower overnight. <laughs> but that's what happens when you have slavery and fear of death. <laughs> so fuck, fair fucks to Chinese. I started watching that thing on Netflix about the, um, like the outbreak thing or a pandemic. I think that's what's called pandemic, how you would deal with it, which, which I find quite interesting that it's been released at the time when the old fucking La Caronia is hitting us. But um, interesting, uh, I never even knew all, all of these things like SARS and um, the last kind of swine flu. They're all, str- I'm obviously they're all strands of the flu, but this is the, the new one. And it's, it's one of those things as well where you're going like, We've all seen the videos of the people who have got it, where they just all of a sudden collapse, like face plant into the street, and then you're like, ah, that's actually quite funny, but then you realise, fuck me, it's just the cold. You know what I mean? It's the flu. So I don't know what's going to happen there. I know there are a couple of people now, I think there's two cases in the UK that have got the old Lacaronia. Um I imagine, like anything else, this will all fizzle out. And uh, we'll see less and less of it in the news. And I certainly don't think it is anywhere near as worrying as like the Ebola incidents or even when it was SARS as well. When you look at the figures of which people that, that died from that, I think they're only talking this is something like 2% of people who contract it will actually die from it. So what, what I'll try to say is, you know, it's not really worth getting fucking worried about. And I don't, I mean, I don't want to say it as well. It sound, you know, horrible. You know, but look, 300 people have, have died in China. You know, in a country that has got, what, fucking 2 billion people? I mean, 
Westria. I don't, mate, I'm just saying, you know. It's maybe no as big and fearful as ever was made. It's still a horrible thing and I hope nobody gets it. I did find it quite interesting though on the radio on the news the other day when I heard that if you do feel as if you've got symptoms in this country, you've just to stay in the house. Stay in the house, man. Put a kettle on, eh? Also, the fact that they keep pushing the fucking, you know, what you should be doing to try and combat it is wash your hands, okay? Wash your hands thoroughly, right? Don't just run them under the tap. Soap, okay? And really, like, rub it in between the fingers, get it all soapy, and then wash your hands. And if you blow your nose, use a hanky, but put the hanky in the bin, all right? But make sure that it's recyclable hanky, Okay? And, and put it in the proper recycling bin so that way no sea animals will swallow your snotty hanky, alright? But just make sure it's all recycled, all put away happy, um, because we don't want Greta fucking kicking off again, alright? So just let's just make sure we're all doing our bit, wash your hands, clean behind your ears, and nobody's going to get the mad China flu, alright? But it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. And I, ho- I hope nobody listening to this has got fucking lacquer on you. I don't even know what it's called. I just I'm just like calling it like a lacaronia. I think it's I, I've been I've watched far too much narcos in the last five days, and I now feel as if I'm ready to become the Scottish Pablo Escobar. Um, what a fucking show, man! I had tried to watch it a few years ago, right? I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to open up, right? I'm going to fucking open up and tell you what's happening. Try to watch Narcos a few years ago. And the American DEA agent, right? The blonde one, Murphy. I can't fucking stand a cunt, right? I think he's a terrible actor. I, I, it, it reminded me, when I went back to watch it, it reminded me why I hated it so much. And the Narcos is, again, that sense of... Team America, fuck yeah. That's what it is, right? It's Here's a country that's fucking punting the gear and America's going to go in and clean it up. You have to wonder how many, how different the world would be if the Americans had a different attitude to life. You, you, I, I wonder how different the world would be if America had the climate of Scotland. Right, the, the whole of America has the climate of Scotland. So Miami is overcast grey with a high temperature of 17, 18 degrees in the summer. LA the same. Right, San Francisco always raining, it's windy. You know, just just constantly all year round. Right, the whole of America gets 20 days of sunshine a year. I wonder how different their outlook on life in the world would be if they had to deal with our climate. That depressing, dark, grey sky. I wonder then if they'd still be, we're going to fix the fucking world, man, or whether we'd just be like, fucking sit at home, get a taco, let's get fat, man. But that whole American DEA, we're in here to fucking clean up and save the world and sort you all out. 
I hated it, man. And that's why I stopped watching after maybe episode two or three. And someone had mentioned to me that Narcos Mexico was good. So I binged that, and it was good. And also, the guy who plays the DE agent in that, is it Kiki? His name in the show actually gets brutally murdered at the end. And I was like, fucking come on! Death to America! So I liked that. Um, and now I've gone back and I've started watching uh, Pablo Escobar Narcos again. And I've binged through the first series and I'm halfway through the second series. And obviously I know in real life it's not going to end the way I want it to end. But every time something happens, I just say, Pablo, kill the cunt. I, th- I think that's how you... You, again, we're going back to fucking China, Russia, and the Saudis. They don't fuck about. That's that's what. See if you're going to be a a, don, a cartel, right? If you're going to run a cartel, and you're going to be a fucking Don Pablo, you need to just have a, a mural on your wall saying, "What would the Chinese do?" And then in tiny, like Comic Sans font ten, it would say. Kill the cunt. That's what it would say. Ancient Chinese proverb. Kill the cunt. The amount of time stuff's happened in the show and I've went, you need to fucking kill that cow, Pablo. You need to kill her now. You need to put a bullet in him. That seems to be how you deal with it. And the best thing about these narco stuff is... They're all, they're all as bad as each other. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're watching it and you, you know that... Um, it's based on, obviously it's based on real life, and no one is denying the drugs trade, you know, affects many, many lives, right? Many lives. At both ends of the scale, like people who take drugs and who, who die from it, and people who are involved in trafficking, people who are involved in the production of drugs, and then all the kind of spin-off and tag industries that are affected by it. But again, it's just, hey, it's my thoughts, right? And, and I could be completely wrong on this because, like most people, my opinions are based um, on what I consume through television. <laughs> none, of, none of this is based on fact. None of this is based on uh, extensive reading on a subject. But I do think if you if you believe that your government, regardless of what country you're from or what country you currently reside in if you believe that your government is genuinely interested in stopping the drugs trade where you live I think you're a fucking idiot I don't think there's any government in history that genuinely gives a fuck about drugs coming out of their country or people taking drugs I really don't care I, I really don't think they do but I think that when they get to the point where the people involved in the drugs trade are making and were making the money that these cartels were making back in the day, in the here day, that's when I think America suddenly started to take notice. It's like anything else. You, you, the world revolves on fear. You know, that's that's really what keeps us spinning, is, is fear. And you can use things like drugs trade, you know, foreign invasion, the bad Colombians, or whatever it, whatever it may be today in today's modern time, whether it is 
Europe or whether it is the the Chinese flu, you know, the, the threat of foreign invasion, whether it be ISIS or more terrorist attacks that we've seen recently in London, whatever that be, fear is what keeps the world spinning. So I, uh, I'm i loving the show, man, and uh, I just hope that in the end Pablo fucking murders everybody and drives off into the sunset, but I know that's not going to happen, but if you've never watched Narcos, man, get fucking on board, because it's absolutely dynamite. Um, but yeah, fucking Pablo Escobar, what a bad bastard, man. Fucking Pablo, legend. Get it watched, man. Get it watched, you'll love it. Now, since we have last spoken, we have left Europe, apparently. Um, 1st of February, we woke up and no longer European. We have Brexited. Brexit has finally happened. And, uh, yes, I... I, I mean, not obviously, right? Because I, again, I think it's it's an odd thing. It's an odd thing, politics, because there was there was a time when certainly I can remember there was a there was a couple of things you didn't discuss. You know, you didn't you didn't ask someone their political stance or opinion. You didn't talk about politics, and certainly in Scotland, you don't talk about the football. No, I mean, fucking hell, eh? But now we're at this point where we we seem to be all encouraged to openly discuss things, right? In in almost a weirdly a kind of fucking American way. And I think there are some things that maybe people can keep to themselves. I think political opinions maybe one of them because I think when it comes to politics, because we are so divided in this country, certainly polarizing opinions, and whether that is because we only have real two political parties, which covers probably left and right and no real centrist ground at this point, that if you get into, excuse me, a conversation with someone who holds an opposing opinion to yourself, it is very unlikely that you're going to want to discuss that opinion with them, whereas what we do now is mostly shut them down, call them a name, say they're a fucking idiot and move on, because that is the way of the social media a millennial group, you know, you don't like what somebody's saying, you block them, you mute them, you report them, and you don't have to see it anymore, instead of actually discussing and entering a debate, now, I voted Remain, um, when the, when the vote came out for, for Europe fucking years and years ago, but I, I don't mind admitting, I, I remember coming out of the, uh, of the, the the primary school that I voted in. And thinking at the time, if the country does vote to leave, that would be better for Scotland because it would help, uh, I thought it would help our position for independence. So I don't mind admitting that. I don't mind admitting that I did vote Remain, but there was a little part of me that not hoped, hoped is the wrong word, because that's not how I wanted us to get independence. But I did think just by... And again, luckily with my job, from gigging and getting to travel to England a lot, it did feel as though 
there was a a push from certain parts down south that were going to vote Leave. I had never seen. There was a time leading up to the to the vote where I had never seen so many George's crosses in my life driving through parts of England. Man, it was fucking unreal. And then what? Three years later, uh, the it finally happens. And I know people had woke up and I saw them in the news. And again, these poor bastards, man. I mean, they, they pick on them deliberately. BBC and fucking Sky News. They go to certain parts of the country. They pick certain people, and they want sound bites, right? That's what the news has come to this country. It's sound bites. It's idiots talking shit. That's what the news wants. The news is interested in people having debate or a or, or genuine opinion. They just want idiots talking shit, you know? They want people going like, we're going to get our industry back. We're, we're going to get our industry back and our freedom. We're going to get our freedom from, from Europe. You're like, well, what does that mean to you? It means we'll get our industry back. You're going, this woman doesn't fucking know. Oh, here's an idea. Why don't we get a fucking sparker that hasn't got a clue and stick it on national news? There's an idea. I d- I mean, nobody feels any different. I don't think. I certainly. I don't. I don't know if you do. We have. We have woken up, and the fucking world keeps spinning, man. You know, you go to work, you can still get a croissant in the fucking co-op. Life is good. We're still going to go on holiday in Europe. We're not fucking going anywhere else, right? It's not as if all the fucking scumbags are suddenly start going to say. Why don't we try going to um, South America on our holidays? Are you interested in a, a trek amongst Mexico Picchu in, in Peru? No, you're gone for fucking two weeks in Tenerife like you always do! Like you always do. Nothing's going to change. You're going to go to Tenerife or fucking Palma Nova or fucking... Marbella. You're going to find a Lineker's pub, a fucking Witherspoon's equivalent that does a full English breakfast, and you're going to get pissed for a fortnight. The locals are going to drain you, and then you're going to fuck off home to Stockport or Darlington or fucking Middlesbrough or whatever the fuck it is you come for. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. And and even the, the, the current discussions that are ongoing about trade markets and different European laws that we're going to adapt or keep, nobody's got a fucking clue. Nobody's got a clue, one, what they are, or two, how it affects them. But hopefully it just gets done, man, and we fucking put it to bed and we never speak of it again. And I, I hope that if any future Prime Minister ever discusses the concept of Europe, somebody just puts a bullet in their fucking head. The world is too small now, do you know what I mean? I think most people, and here's the thing as well, see people who say they are European, especially Scottish people, right, when, I, when I've met them, they go, I'm actually, I, I class myself as European. Have you ever met a European? Because it's no us. I'll tell you that right now. It's no us. They are beautiful, beautiful people. 
They have hope. I tell you, you, you might you might find attractive Scottish people, right? But see, when you put them next to a real European, it's very easy to tell them apart. And it's the eyes. It's the eyes. Because the eyes of a European are, are clear, you know, open, wistful. You, know, you, you look into them and you see, you see hope, right? You see laughter, joy, eh? a future. You see a future in a European's eyes. And then you find a, a, a British person, a Scottish person, right, who claims to be European and they may look European, you know, they might have a wee uh, manicured, sculpted beard, nice wee hat on, you know, dressed smartly, uh, dressed kind of almost hipster, almost hipster, but kind of businessy hipster. You know? But you look into his eyes. Or her eyes. Or their eyes. You know? Whatever the pronoun is. And you will be... You won't be wronged for thinking they have glycoma. Because their eyes are glazed. <laughs> glazed with fear. Eh, worn down by years of being a British cunt. <laughs> In their heart, they may be European, but in their head and their body, they'll always be British. <laughs> but fuck knows what's going to happen. I'm going, we're going to Amsterdam at the end of February. And I'm telling you right now, if I need to stand in a fucking queue, I'm going to kick off. So I'm giving you a warning. A warning? A warning. Dutch people, the Dutch people are the coolest country. That's the, see if you had to pick one because Europe is obviously a big fucking place, right? France, Germany, they're all different. But in, I think, certainly Scottish people, we're, we're Dutch. That's that's the life I want. Every time I go to Amsterdam, I'm like, this is the greatest place to live in the fucking world. Everything's accessible. Everything's beautiful. Everything's calm. Everything's relaxed. Good weather. They have climate. You know, bit of summer, bit of winter. Some of the best coffee you'll ever have in your life. If you want to indulge in the dark arts, it's fucking there. You know, it's there for you. Eh? Every now and again life gets a bit tough. Fucking bit of dark arts. Fine. There it is. Just an amazing place. So, gone near the end of February. Me and the missus... Five days, I think we're going for four days. I don't know, just a wee break, man, to fucking recharge your batteries. It looks like we're moving house as well, so this is all. You know that way when you don't plan for things and then everything happens at once? So it looks like we're going to be moving, possibly at the end of the month as well. Um, which will be great, um, because Papa Bear needs an office, and but that's going to be a bit stressful for doing a move and a holiday. And then I've got to come back on the 1st of March and go straight to a gig as well. Um, which is also going to be a fucking mad dash back for Edinburgh Airport. Anyway, that's fucking, that's chat for another day. But uh, I hope, I hope you have uh, coped with the, the retreats from Europe. Who knows, man. But I imagine, I think that's all that any of us really give a fuck about is, are we going to have to queue at the airport for ages? That's it. That's really all we care about. Anything else, the fucking... Government will take care of it. Oh, God help us. Right, let's batter on here. Do you know one thing that I have 
not try to avoid. But one thing I said I was not going to do this time around was watch Love Island. And once again, I have been fucking sucked in. This, I can't resist this show. I know everybody has got a certain television programme that they watch that is un- undoubtedly, there's no, there's no basis for an argument. It is a pile of fucking shit, right? I am not, I'm not talking about this to try and convince you otherwise. I am happy to confirm Love Island is a pile of fucking shit, but there is something about it that just draws you in. No, it's no, it's no whole. Oh, they're all beautiful because they're no beautiful, right? There's quite a few of them that are fucking munters. Now, as a fellow munter, I can say that. A munter knows a munter. And some of them this year are fucking munters. But it draws you in, man. It draws you in. Again, the message was watching it. And I'm not even going to blame her because I fuck, there was part of me going like, do you know what, fucking get it on, man. Let's get in the drama. There's something about people who... A lot of them are idiots, right? Let's not deny it. A lot of them are idiots. But there's something about that, that type of person that... that thinks they're a beautiful person, do you mean, that moves in that circle. Like, their Instagram, their posts, it's just all them posing, right? It's just them posing... And they, they live a, I mean, they live a life that we're never going to live, right? And then none of us get to see them operate in day-to-day life. And some of the shit they do, man. Fuck me. Like, these, these guys who, they got up, avocado and toast, smash the gym, get the fake tan on, then a nightclub. You're like, how, that's no way to live. It seems it seems to be that, that that type of person is growing now. When you when you see some of the guys, right? My missus was talking about this the other day, and everybody's all six packed up, right? I think that a lot that is how young guys look now because they are exposed to that from an early age, like they're exposed to. These Instagram model types, these Love Island types, where you've got to have a six pack, you've got to be strong, beautiful, bit of makeup, kind of asexual slightly. That is what young guys think a man should be. Whereas when I was growing up, a man was still meant to be a big hairy ass bastard, you know, doing the pub, necking six pints, playing darts, getting in a fight. That was what a man was. A man was never for. You know, a six-pack, hairless. You were never meant to be hairless. You are meant to be a big hairy-ass bastard. Waxing. What? Shaving your balls. What? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't shave your balls. I'm just saying that was never the blueprint for a man when I was growing up. You know, it was it was big, strong. I was a rugby guy, man. I grew up with rugby guys, big, hairy-ass bastards. But I suppose now if you're growing up in the world of six-pack, that's probably what you're thinking the world should be, you know? So I, I suppose I'm glad I missed that generation out. I remember my coach, the rugby coach, used to always say six-packs are for models. 
for models in the fridge. That's what you'd say. How'd you get a six pack, coach? Six packs are for models in your fridge. <laughs> you want a solid gut. That's what you want. See, when you see bodybuilders, I don't mean bodybuilders, sorry, like world's strongest man, like really, like strong men, right? Because bodybuilders are, yes, they're strong, right? But they they sculpt the muscle so that they look a certain way to do the poses, right? And then you see like a world's strongest man type guy, right? Standing next to a bodybuilder. And you're going, he looks like a fat cunt. But he literally could lift... 20 times what this fucking muscle Mary can lift. That's, that's, in my head still, that's what a man should be. A big fucking solid gut, broad shoulders, world's strongest man, fucking pull a train carriage. Right, that's what you want. Stick a six pack up your ass. But Love Island loves a six pack and I love Love Island. It's, uh, Never watched last night's episode, so uh, we always watch them a day in advance, uh, sort of day behind, so I can blast through the adverts. But I am into it, and uh, I don't know if I, you know. I don't even care anymore. I don't care. People will give me dogs abuse. People will go. I can't believe you watch that shit. I fucking love it. I fucking love it. And if you haven't already, I suggest you get involved in a bit of Love Island, man, because you know it's just a nice wee hour. <laughs> it's a nice wee day. We better time pass the day. But I love Island Chapman. I've got a mate, fucking Aaron McCann, wonderful comic Belfast. He's even doing a Love Island podcast. That's how devoted this man is to the fucking show. But if you haven't, check it out, man. It's always good to keep up to date with pop culture. Check out Love Island. So, we started the tour in East School Bride Arts Centre and... Let me just say, first of all, thank you to everybody who who came out, um, who bought a ticket, who supported me on the night. Um, it was two two tickets left, man. Eh, fucking two, two wee single seats. I suppose to be fair, I I would go to the I go to the cinema myself. I have eaten by myself. Some sometimes people. The cinema's not so much a, a, a kind of odd one now. The people will go to the cinema themselves, but it seems to be eating with yourself is a kind of difficult one for a lot of people. I don't know if that's because, again, you travel a lot, you know, you're used to just having meals with yourself, but I suppose you wouldn't. Would you buy a single ticket to go and see a stand-up show on your own? Um, I don't know. I don't know. The only time I've been to see stand-up shows on my own is if it's, like, big shows and either, you know, I know the person that's performing or maybe a friend's doing support, so I'll watch them and then go through the back. Um, But, I don't know, maybe... Anyway, so there was two tickets left, but thank you to everybody who came out. And, um... It was a, it was a mixed night. It was a mixed night for me. One, it was the first time doing the show this year. And it was about maybe two months since I had did the show last. And it wasn't as smooth as I would like to have, to have been. Uh, I think the first one back is probably always the toughest. And it did feel, uh, certainly for me, as if it took a, it took a bit for me to kind of 
get back into the groove of the show again. And um, the week after it, uh, I had some family things going on and my my own mental health that week was was terrible. Um, there's no other way to do it. It was, it was fucking terrible, man. I don't know if that's because I changed in medication. I don't know if uh, I have... I have upped my medication recently from, I'm on, currently on citalopram, as I'm sure some of you may be, uh, and I'd currently gone for 20 to 40 milligrams, and I don't know if that had been an effect of it going into my system, but the the week itself was a, was a terrible week, man. And I don't really know how to kind of bring it up or what to say, but... I had got a couple of comments after the show, as I, as I, as I usually do now. Let me just say first off that the show the show's called White Noise and this show is about mental health. Now I, I thought it was quite clear that that's what the show was about but I understand that people are coming along to see me because they've maybe seen me do club sets or something in the past or they've maybe seen a show in the past and uh, they just want to come and support me and see another show and that's fine and I welcome that and I thank them for doing it but the show is about mental health and the whole point of it, and the whole reason why I wanted to do the show in the first place was because I was sick of the idea of people saying that it's very easy to talk about these things. And I discussed that in the show and I won't go into it right now. But one of the points that I make in the show and one of the points that I feel very strongly about is, is if we are going to open this discussion on mental health, or at least begin to tell people that not only is it okay to discuss your mental health, but that it is encouraged, then you cannot censor people who are suffering with their mental health on what they can and cannot say. Does that make sense? So if you are creating this atmosphere, this world where people are encouraged to talk about their mental health, you cannot then get offended or angry at what they say. And it's odd, it's so odd to do this job or be a creative person. I, I had it this week with my, with my missus with something that she did for a work, which was a fucking massive, massive bit of work that she did. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say what it is that she she did or who she did it for, but let's just say it was a fucking huge bit of work for somebody incredibly famous. And she had looked through comments, and they're all positive comments, because it was an amazing piece of work, and then two negative comments, and that's what sticks for you. And with me, as usual, when I do the shows, I get a lot of people reaching out saying either that parts of the show had spoke to them, or they've had friends who have dealt with it, or whatever it may be, and, I, and I'm so grateful that that's what you take from the show, but the one negative comments are the ones that usually hit you and kind of stick with you. And I got one of those comments after after East Kilbride, and I don't know if it's because I was feeling the way I was feeling, but it just it just hit me harder than, than usual. And it was someone who appeared to be disappointed with the show, felt that it wasn't funny and that points, it was cringing was the words, and it went too far. Now, here's my thing on that. I I don't do these shows to offend anyone or upset them. 
I do the shows to, first of all, to entertain. That's the first thing. To try and have a laugh. But for whatever reason, the style of comedy I do or, or the, the way I find very easy to talk about things that are maybe difficult to talk about and in a way that's light-hearted or fun. Now, this show is in no way making fun of mental health. There's no way making fun of suicide. But it is raising difficult subjects and talking about them in a way that's maybe easy to digest. So, if you don't get it, or you are offended by someone else's reaction to it, what you're not seeing is that, that that is simply further highlighting my point of what I'm trying to say, in the sense that you do not get to tell someone who is struggling with their mental health what they can and cannot say. Because these discussions, they have to, they have to get dark and they have to get real. Because I don't know if it's a Scottish thing, I don't know if it's a West Coast thing. I can only speak for myself, but this idea of let's all get in a tent and cuddle each other and through love and kindness we'll get better, that doesn't work for me. And I don't think that works for a lot of men. We have to get tough with these things. We have to laugh about it. And I think that... Fucking ambulance. I think that just hit me after it. it I, I had a guy in the show, oddly, who... I believe his brother or his friend, I think it was his brother, had, had taken his own life recently. And when I was talking about certain things and obviously and rightly so a lot of emotion was, was brought back and the, and the gentleman had, had to leave during part of the show now he returned and uh, he watched the last 40 minutes and then he uh, his his friend that was with him sent me a really nice message after it apologising and I said there was absolutely no way f- reason for him to apologise that's why I never addressed it on the night when I saw him leave or when I saw him come back in I never addressed it and I had a nice chat with the guy and uh, he explained that, you know, he had, uh, he'd enjoyed the show. Obviously, he'd been quite emotional because it raised a certain couple of things, but a lot of the stuff that had been said in it kind of rung true with him and made him kind of think about the situation with, with his brother a little bit differently. And the, the the other person who had made the complaint about the show was addressing this guy who had left. And I thought, now, they are never going to know how that person reacted to the show, how that person reacted to what I had to say. All they have done is had this faux offence where they've seen someone walk out upset, rightly so. And in their head, they've been offended on their behalf and then decided to make a decision to contact me and, and tell me about this. And I think that just that just hit me a wee bit hard because of how I was feeling. And also because I, I really wanted to send the person who contacted me negatively the, the, the response from the guy who they've been speaking about to say, not only are you completely wrong in your assumption on this, but you just don't get it, you know, and I think that's I think that's what's getting me. I think I think I was just I was just angry last week that there are people who still don't get it, you know. 
I, I do joke in the show about people in the west of Scotland being mental health deniers. Um, those who like you know deny the Holocaust, like oh, it didn't happen. You know there are still people here who deny mental health. You know you have young men, women saying I'm really struggling with mental health. I'm like oh shut up, you know fucking get a shower, go go for a walk. You know go for a walk. There are still people who who exist like I don't believe it's real. You don't believe it's real. And I suppose the way I was feeling last week, it just kind of hit me a bit hard. So, I apologise for not getting the podcast out to you last week. Um, I just was not in a... There was, there was days when I couldn't get my bed. And here's the other thing, like I've said before in the past, it is fine to admit you're having a bad time. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with saying, I am having a bad day. I am having a bad week. And you just take yourself... Out of circulation, if you like. Just remove yourself from life for as long as it takes. A couple of days, a week max, right? I have been dealing with my own mental health now for a, for a couple of years. And I, I know that this is not a quick fix. I also know that it's unlikely that I will be cured, so to speak. It's something that I will manage now the rest of my life. There are times when I'm up and down, there's times when I'm really good, really happy, there's times when I'm really low, really sad, and I also know now how I feel, and I know that it will pass, and I know that I'm going to get better, but I also know on the days when I do feel down, and I do feel low, and I feel dark, that I just have to admit that is how I'm feeling, but also in the back of my head I know I'm going to get through it. And I will allow myself the day. And if I'm feeling really bad, I'll allow myself the week. And then as I'm getting towards the end of the week, I will say, right, as of Monday, this is it. And I sit and I'll I'll sleep a lot. Uh, you know, I'll watch telly, I won't do much. Now, I, I also understand that I'm very privileged to be in a position that I'm able to do that. And a lot of you will still have to function with your mental health and go to work on a daily basis. But just don't beat yourself up about feeling down. You know, don't beat yourself up about it. Allow yourself to sit in the low if that's what you need. Give it a week and then after that, you draw a line and you power through it. But there's nothing wrong with giving yourself that time just to say, do you know what? I'm struggling a wee bit. I'm going to sit here. And that's what I had to do last week. But we're back on it, man. Episode 16. Another fucking TED Talk. <laughs> oh, thanks for listening, guys, man. I, I honestly, I appreciate all the comments that you give me. And it, I, I'm enjoying doing this. I am. I'm, I'm loving it, man. I'm loving it. Um... A few people got in touch with kind of ideas of what to do with the show. I will say I am planning on starting to uh, do a kind of interview thing. I'm going to try and do a, a, a series. Um, there'll be six episodes in a series. Uh, I'm I'm speaking to a few people just now and planning them and trying to kind of figure out how we'll do it and the logistics of it. Um, but the idea is for me to, to sit down with people who either I have a connection with, whether that be personal or a business, 
um, other comics, people who I find interesting or people who I think would be interesting to talk to. And uh, we'll sit down for an hour and we'll have a chat and they they will come out um, kind of either in, in one dump um, so you can binge all, all six of them at a time. But that's the plan. There'll be six episodes in a series, um, an hour long. And I'm hoping that they will start to come out within the next few months. Um, like I say, I'm just trying to plan logistics to get some people together um, and, and sit down and do them. But if there are anyone out there or you've got any ideas of people who you would like to uh, see me sit down with and have a chat with, then get in touch and let me know who you think would be a good mix. I'm sure there's people out there who I've maybe not heard of um, or people who you find interesting that I, I maybe should chat to. So so get in touch. Uh, is always the best way to do it is the website, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk. There's a contact form on there. And there's also a button to subscribe to the mailing list. If you haven't done so, I strongly suggest you sign up to that mailing list. It's the best way to hear about one-off gigs, special gigs, um, some discount tickets and some interesting things that are happening. So get on the website and sign up to that. Facebook, it's Scott Gibson Comedy. Follow, uh, like the page, whatever the fuck you do on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram, we're at Big Scott Gibson. Twitter, I think, is dying in its ass. if I'm honest with you. And Twitter can get in the fucking sea, as far as I'm concerned. I'm sick of Twitter, man. It's just bile and hate constantly. Um, but fucking get me on there. <laughs> and Instagram, uh, I am at Big Scott Gibson. So follow us on there. Get in touch uh, and drop us some ideas. And if you do listen to the show, please subscribe on SoundCloud, Spotify, or iTunes. If you can rate and review, that will help it move up the charts. And if you've got any friends, family, colleagues, whatever, who you think would enjoy the show, please do share it with them. And let's try and grow the numbers. Right, we'll go for... Do you want? Let's do some listeners' questions. Let's do that. Right, let's do some listeners' questions. As always, thank you to everyone who got in touch. Um, let's just do a couple here. First up, Andy Bailey on Instagram. Andy has asked, uh, "Jam piece with or without butter?" Controversial, Andy. Controversial, as always, dealing with the big topics here on the Battlefield Show. Um, this is very much the Scottish scone, isn't it? Eh? Cream then jam, jam then cream. Um, obviously everyone knows it's jam then cream, and anyone who tells you otherwise is a paedophile. But Andy has asked specifically for the jam piece, uh, a delicacy here in Scotland, a Scottish classic, with or without butter. And I'm going to say this to you, Andy boy. With butter. I said it. There I said it. I think that, personally, anything piece stroke sandwich related must have a bit of lubricant. And for me, that is always butter. Now, I am not one of these people who say, but if it is a, a spreadable um, filling, then that acts as the butter stroke lubricant. I'm not buying that, mate. I'm not buying that. What I will accept is half and half. I would accept that. I would accept one bit of bread buttered, the other bit jam, and then mashed together. I would accept that. However, if I was making one in the house, I'd be buttering both bits of the bread before applying the jam. Now, obviously anybody who is a veteran of the jam piece game will know that if you butter the bread and then apply the jam, sometimes the butter acts almost as a kind of a grease 
and the jam slides off it. You know, you've got to be careful. So what I would suggest is it's a thin layer of butter and then you put the jam on and as long as you've got a, a high quality jam, you know, uh, none of this. Uh, I mean, if you're squeezing jam at a bottle, uh, I think you need to have a fucking word with yourself. But if you've got a good fruit content in your jam, then uh, I think you'll find it'll stay in the piece uh, quite well. I'll even go one further and say this to you, Andy Bailey, Andy boy, big A, the big, the big Bailey. Bailey's on ice. Peanut butter. I'm still putting butter on there. Mate, close arm. Like, I'm fucking daft. Peanut butter on toast. I had it this morning, mate. I had it the fucking this morning. Two slices of sourdough. Yes, I live in Edinburgh. Of course I'm having sourdough. Butter on first, and then peanut butter. I don't care if it's got butter in the name, mate. I'm fucking, I'm double butter. <laughs> I'm fucking double butter, mate. That's what they call me here in the mean streets of fucking Edinburgh. Double butter gibble. <laughs> do you agree with me? Or do you disagree with me? What do you think, team? Jam piece with or without butter. I'm saying with butter. What do you think, Andy? Get in touch, mate. But hey, thanks for the question, man. It's stirred debate, Andy. That's what we want here. That's what we want with listeners' questions. Gets the conversation flowing, my man. Andy got in touch on Instagram. Instagram handle is at Big Scott Gibson. That question again, jam piece with or without butter. I'm telling you, it's worth Andy boy every fucking day of the week. Gemma Kennedy. On Twitter, Gemma has asked, what's the most memorable heckle you've ever had? Ah, Jesus. Um, do you know, to be honest, I, I don't get heckled that often. I don't get heckled that often. Uh, I know this is more of a kind of a civilian thing where they think that we get heckled all the time as comics, you know, or that people are constantly kind of... Because you see, this is going to time in it at something else I was going to talk about. You see a lot of these videos, right, and I'm fucking sick of seeing them. I've never seen one yet that's real where it's like, um, comic destroys heckler, and you're like, no, they don't. Now, I know some of you will watch that as a, as an audience member, right? like a normal punt, and you go, oh my God, see if they spoke to me like that, I would just die, Susan. I'd fucking die, Susan, so I would. As a comic, I'm watching it going, the cunt's done fuck all. And nine times out of ten, it's not even a heckle. Seems This seems to be the new thing where up-and-coming comics, and sadly, I even saw one recently for a guy who I quite admired doing this post where it's like destroys heck I'm going what the fuck was going through your head when you edited this video and then thought I'm going to post it up because not only have one you not heckled the guy two your set is shit isn't he funny I don't know when this this whole idea of like TED talk comedy where people are putting their opinions across now I, like there may be people out there who say I'm guilty of it or that certain some of the topics that I discuss are heavy, but it's always fucking funny. Don't don't nobody can deny that even the shows I've done, whether it's about death or mental health or losing family members, they're they're you know, hey, they're fucking funny. That's that's your old dad's skill. Right? I get my message across, but it's fucking hilarious. This is what all the wee London fuckers are, are no getting here. 
having a point or a message, as they like to call it, secondary to the comedy. Now, if you can get your message across and still get the laughs, that's a skill. That's why there's no many of us who are as good as I am at doing this. So when you post your videos up with your fucking shitty wee message, if I'm watching this thing for 10 minutes and I've no laughed once, this isn't comedy. And then them trying to go after a hacker, going, oh yeah, you're a, you're a wee dick. That's not even the fucking destroying some. Destroying somebody is either, the only way you destroy somebody is, one, they start crying, then you've destroyed them. Or two, they are physically removed from the room then you've destroyed them. And that's it. But I very, very rarely get heckled. Um, I, I do get heckled in the sense that people people shout out things because they're, in, they're involved in the night, and I don't, I don't mind that. I quite enjoy that because it, to me, what, what that's doing is that's, that's showing that they, they're so invested in the night that they, they maybe don't, they don't realise that, not that it's not live, but they don't realise that you can hear them, you know? So sometimes people will say things, and you go, what was that? And then they're so embarrassed because they're like, oh, I can't, I can't believe you heard it. And you go, no, it's fine, like, talk. You know, this is it's real, it's live, let's let's talk about this. And that's fine. Sometimes you get the old drunk heckler, but you just, uh, I just tell them to shut the fuck up. I just go, shut the fuck up. And very often they, they do. Because they, you know, they're still semi-aware of what's happening. And if they don't shut the fuck up, then you go after them and you just embarrass them. You just have a quick look. Who are they with? Are they with a, a woman? Are they with a partner? Are they with friends? And uh, you gauge appropriately. And then you just fucking go after them and you make them look small and have a terrible night. And that's it. It's not nice to do. But sometimes it happens. And uh, the only time when I was annoyed by Heckler once, years ago at the stand in Edinburgh, and I'd, I'd very rarely play there anymore. Uh, in fact, I... To be honest with you, I don't know if I'll ever play there again, and uh, I am care not a jot. Um, it's one of those rooms where, because it's been around for so long, it suddenly adopts this sense that it's a great room, which I've never really understood about comedy in this country. Um, same with comedians. If a comedian is around long enough, um, suddenly they are classed as a good or great act simply by ten, time served. And I've never understood that either because the stand in was a, a terrible room. It's a terrible shape. Um, a lot of people can't see. A lot of people are standing uncomfortably. And one night when I was there, I had a, a drunk woman kind of heckling. She'd been heckling acts before and I came and she started heckling. I was like, oh, here we fucking go. And to be fair, we were having a bit of banter, right? It was going back and forth, back and forth. And then she kept shouting out, so I asked her to be quiet uh, in a nice, polite manner, and uh, it was in another bit, and then she shouted again, so everybody was doing the usual, like the pantomime, ooh, so I think I made a joke about, like, talking to the rest of the audience, going, listen, I'm just speaking to you now, she can't hear us, you know, that kind of thing, don't worry about it now, listen, what's going to happen next is I'm going to go back into the room, and she will be able to hear me, and I'm going to use words that are quite aggressive and quite violent, but I need you to understand it's just an act, okay, and I don't mean anything I'm going to say, towards this arsehole and one two three we're back in the room and when as i came back now two members of staff were coming to escort the woman out and i remember saying at the time like 
leave her alone. And they're like, no, she needs to go. And I went, and I remember my exact words, because they said, no, she needs to go. And I went, she needed to go an hour ago. That's when she needed to go. After she'd interrupted three other people's sets, she needed to go then. But you've kept her here because she's drinking, because she's putting money behind the bar. So now she's going to have to sit and she's going to have to take what's coming. So leave her alone. And they never, they, they, they took her out. And then I got quite angry with the venue because I thought, what I find interesting is when people either don't address a heckler or there are certain acts who are not comfortable addressing that, and I get it, and that's when a venue should step in. But I don't think a venue gets to decide when someone stays or someone goes, especially if they've been interrupting all night, and then the one person who comes on stage who's happy to engage in conversation, at least with heckler, then they remove her. So I was, that's the only time I remember being, being pissed off at a heckler, um, because... I never really got the chance to go after But memorable heckles, I don't know, there's, not, there's not really been many um, that I can think of. If, if anything comes to mind over the next couple of days, then maybe I'll bring it up in, uh, in, a, in another episode. But thank you, Gemma, uh, for getting in touch. Gemma did so on Twitter, and as usual, the Twitter handle is at Big Scott Gibson, right? Probably get tired. Let's do one more. Let's do one more quickly. Um, Stephen Harry Wilson, the legend. On Instagram, um, SHW has asked, what's your favourite conspiracy theory? For example, the moon, line, moon landing on 9-11. Good one, mate. Uh, conspiracy theory, also a great film with Mel Gibson in it. If uh, if nobody's seen that, watch it, fucking belter. The moon landing, you know, sometimes I think that that it was fake. Here's the here's what I might believe with the moon landing, right? I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy. Um, I think life is a conspiracy, Stephen. <laughs> um, I'll give do you know what I'll give you my take because the the new show I think is going to be about death. And here's kind of what I'm starting to believe, right? Is that I don't know. I think heaven and hell are real. But I think this is currently hell that we're in. So I think life is hell. And I think when you die, if you've done enough to repent your sins of previous, then you go to heaven. And if you haven't done enough, you are born again back in this world, which is hell. Then you fucking replay it again. Let's just fucking think about that for a minute. <laughs> Conspiracy theories. So, moon landing. I think the moon landing at the time was fake. But I think we did go to the moon. Does that make sense? That's that's what I think. I think the moon landing itself may have been staged. Um, either it being that they were unable to film it or the footage never came out or something. So what you saw on the television, I think, was staged. But we did go to the moon. I think. 9-11. I don't know, man. I do believe that uh, any government would fucking kill its own people. Um, I believe that without a doubt. You would not need to convince me. You wouldn't need to convince me that the American government would fucking blow up the Twin Towers in order to perpetuate some war or, or push something on its own people. 
I, I believe that. Yes, I'm on board. Fine. The whole thing about the towers is an odd one. Just so many different things that happened, and you can watch so many different documentaries on it. One of the most upsetting things about nine eleven was the people who claimed to have lost loved ones in the tower. You know, they just made to be false, or people who who try to claim different bursaries and benefits from it from from being affected. Oh, damn, I mean, that's fucking grim as fuck, man. But it shows you how low people will, will drop sometimes. You know. Conspiracy theories is a weird one, man. I wish it's something that I knew more about. And um, we've all got a pal who's like, "Oh, fucking, you know what that is, mate? It's, it's the fucking Masons, man. That's the Masons." It's uh, it's an odd one. I don't know, mate. I'm on, I'm on board with the moon landing thing, though. I think that's definitely a conspiracy. Um, I'm trying really hard to think of something else, mate, but I'm not. That's coming to mind. That's coming to mind. If anybody out there has got any conspiracy theories or anything that they want to share with us, do get in touch, man. But thank you to Free, Andy, uh, Stephen and Gemma. Thanks for getting in touch. The old listeners' questions. Belters, as always, if anybody has got a question for me or a topic you'd like me to discuss, um, get in touch, man. Socials, Facebook is Scott Gibson Comedy. Twitter is at Big Scott Gibson. Instagram at Big Scott Gibson. If it's a long question or something that you want to remain private, go to the website, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk and fill in the contact form and that will be pinged into the, the old fucking inbox and we'll take it from there. But that was listeners' questions. Thanks, team man. Fucking right on. Right right on. What was that? Why did I just say right on? I was going to say, oh, right, oh, right, oh, right. <laughs> but that's too much fucking... Let's keep moving. Okay, team, it's that time of the episode again, which I think we all look forward to now. It is news items from, of course, our favourite publication, themetro.co.uk. A free newspaper, free for a reason, because uh, it's hard-hitting, hard-hitting journalism. So let's do the news. Play the jingle! Today's headlines. Three-legged creature found on boat. Dead leopard on the A646. And dildo shoved through Grand's letterbox. I mean, I mean, I mean! What other newspaper, what other publication would give you three-legged creatures... Dead leopards and dildos. All within the same... I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Fucking hell. You ever sneeze so hard you think you're going to dislocate your shoulder? That was one of the ones. Fuck me. Right, let's dive straight in here. First news story. Um, Zoe Derwitt. A fan's favourite. Uh, this is an old one. This is published on Friday, thirty first of January, just before we left Europe. Just before we left Europe, it's all happening. Three-legged creature from deep Atlantic rivers around on boat deck. And there's a picture here or something. It looks like a fish that swallowed a cat. That's what it looks like. Um, we read on a three-legged creature rivers rivers. That's an odd word. Rivers around. On board a boat in front of the horrified fisherman who ruled in a shocking new video. The animal, they've called it an animal, who knows what it is, 
which appears to have tentacles like an octopus and a bulbous head, is believed to have been caught off Coney Island in Brooklyn. I mean, this could be some fucking mafia hit thing or something. Footage of the sea monster from the Atlantic captures the man holding the fishing line shouting, What the hell? What is that? It's your fucking dinner, Tony. That's what it is. As the bizarre creature which has slits for gills continues to twist and turn on the deck, a woman screams, holy shit, what the hell is that? I mean, maybe open up your vocabulary a wee bit, guys. According to the Mail Online, another excellent newspaper, <laughs> the clip was posted to TikTok, oh, for fuck's sake, by Natalia Vorobok, and has since received 1.4 million likes. Well, you're a fucking viral sensation, Natalie. What are you moaning about? Some viewers have said they're concerned about the creature's welfare. Obviously. It's been captured in some fucking Gabagoose fishing boat off the coast of Brooklyn. My God. Others have suggested the animal may be a clear-nosed skate, a species of Catalungus fish. Catalungus fish? Clear-nosed skate is a similar brownish colour and lives in the northwestern Atlantic Ocean but migrates inshore depending on the time of year. The video posted online is just seconds long and it is unclear what happened to the creature after the footage was taken. I'll tell you what happened to the creature after the footage was taken. They shot the cunt. They fucking shot it. What do you think they did with it? Do you think they unhooked it and released it back in the ocean? No, they fucking smashed its face in. <laughs> fucking hell. They either ate it or they killed it. It's the American way. Once again, we find ourselves asking the question, how is this fucking news? I don't know, guys. I don't know. Everything that's grown in the world. China. Eh? Fucking leaving Europe. The weather. You know? And we're going with three-legged creature on a fucking boat. Next story, moving on. Oh yes, here he is, RHP, Richard Hartley Parkinson. Absolute fucking legend of the shite news stories. I'm, I mean, I'm going, you know, I'm going to read this headline. And I want you to remember, this is an actual headline that appeared in a newspaper and is now online. Listen to this. Dead Leopard on the A646 turned out to be, in quotes, some tarts coat. That's right, let me just read that for you again. Dead leopard on the A646 turned out to be some tarts coat. Richard Hartley Parkinson, ladies and gentlemen. Now there is a picture of what looks like a leopard curled up uh, asleep on the road with a tail hanging out. And as you see the other picture, you can clearly see it's not a leopard, um, but simply as someone's jacket lying uh, on the road. A father has said how he tentatively approached what he thought was a leopard on the road while driving through West Yorkshire. Ben Lilly, 40, passed the spotty shape on the A646 near Hebden Bridge on Saturday morning. Intrigued, as was Ben, he turned round to try and get a look at the animal up close. So, first of all, you've got to ask yourself, what type of person is Ben? He's the type of person who, when he sees what he thinks is roadkill on the road, slows down and goes back round for another wee look. I mean, that answers all your questions. 
straight away. He cautiously left his car, so he's now getting out to look at the roadkill. Heart racing and fearing for his life, it's deed met. He may be ripped off by the fearsome beast. What, is it going to steal his what? Is this what's happening now in fucking West Yorkshire? Are leopards stealing cunts' wallets? But then his fear turned to embarrassment as he realised that it was just an abandoned onesie, complete with a tail. Oh, it's a fucking onesie. So it's not a tarts coat, it's a onesie. Admitting his silly mistake on Facebook, Ben carefully... Ben said carefully, dead leopard in the road on the way to Halifax. Oh no, it's some tarts coat from last night. Can't believe I turned back from this. I can't believe you posted that, Ben. And I can't believe it's now news. Also, why are we assuming that the woman's a tart because she's wearing a leopard print onesie? You fucking piece of shit, Ben. He added, my heart was racing with a kind of excitement. I bet it was. He thought you were getting your hole. I thought, is this a big cat? No, it's a fucking onesie, a toilet. It would be an amazing thing to find. It would be an amazing thing to find, would it, Ben? A fucking injured leopard would be an amazing thing to find. Do you know what, mate? I hope you do find an injured wild cat one day. And I hope you approach it thinking, Oh, I've done this before, boys. It's just some tarts jacket. And it fucking rips your throat out. <laughs> fucking asshole. I saw something in the distance as I was coming round the bend and slowed down, giving it a wide berth in case it was an injured animal. As I passed it, I looked at the pastor's window and saw the markings of it. It had a bit of a tail to it too. So it looked really real while I was driving. I thought, wow, you hear of these sightings of big cats around the Halifax area? No, you don't, Ben. No, you do not. Right? No one is seeing a fucking leopard in Halifax. It is a f- somebody's fat house cat, right? Or a fox. There are no leopards in Halifax, you fucking moron. He goes on to say to the other drivers were obviously thinking the same thing, but I was just silly enough to stop. Oh, Ben, you fucking nugget. There you go. The legend Richard Hartley Parkinson has somehow managed to get almost a full page out of that story. And our final one of this episode, uh, leaving the, some would argue the best, others would argue the most disgusting uh, to the end. <laughs> Again, Richard Hartley Parkinson, finger on the pulse, you fucking nutter. Uh, gone with the headline this time, Dirty Dildo Shoved Through Grand's Letterbox. I mean, innuendo at its best. We read on, a grandmother says she had to phone her son, I beg your pardon? To come and identify a vibrator after it was posted through her letterbox. What the actual fuck? So many questions on those first two lines alone. One, how do you know what a fucking vibrator is? Why are you phoning your son to identify it? Is he some kind of sex toy expert? We read on. Dorothy Urquhart, 73. Fucking dirty bastard. Found a purple dildo dangling from her door and said it wasn't very clean and had stuff on it. Dorothy, you fucking dirty bitch. Her neighbour, Jennifer Rayside, 33, was taken to court, but the case was dropped partway through the trial when prosecutors realised the vibrator had not been brought to court. What? 
What? Let me read that again. Her neighbour, Jennifer Rayside, 33, was taken to court, but the case was dropped partway through partway through the trial when prosecutors realised the vibrator had not been brought to court. So you're telling me that this woman's neighbour had put a fucking dirty dildo through her letterbox? Dorothy said it was a horrible thing to discover in your home. I'm bitterly disappointed about what happened in court. About you. The court heard Dorothy's relationship with Rayside deteriorised after she complained about the noise she was making. Ah, uh, it's fucking noise of the dildos. It culminated in a dildo being posted on March 31st of last year. She said, I don't know what it was, so I phoned my son. He came round and we phoned the post. There's fucking dildos coming through my letterbox! When I was told by my son what it was, it did upset me. Dorothy fitted CCTV cameras. <laughs> I'll catch the dildo bandits. The cameras that filmed Rayside going downstairs on the day in question, but her defence team said it was to put something in the bin outside. Not to put a dildo through your letterbox. The police officer who interviewed Dorothy was called to give evidence, but because the sex toy was not produced as evidence, he could not answer direct questions, the record said. Prosecutors announced that they would, there would be no further proceedings and Rayside was found not guilty. Police Scotland. Oh, of course the police Scotland. Police Scotland still have the vibrator. Of course they do. The fucking useless pile of shit that they are. What goes through your mind to you think, Joe you know what, my old neighbour, a 73, she's an old woman, man, right? Gear piece. It's been a fucking boot. I'm going to stick a dirty dildo through her front door. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I don't know what part of Scotland this was, but um, maybe that's the equivalent of like a horse's head. Eh? Stick a dildo through the letterbox. Oh my god. What a fucking episode. Uh, there you go. Team, that is your news uh, items for this one. Three-legged creature found off the coast of Brooklyn on a boat. Dead leopard turns out to be uh, some woman's onesie. And it fucking kicks off with the neighbours posting dildos through letterboxes. That was your news. Okay, team, episode 16 in the bag. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Thank you to everyone who got in touch um, about missing it last week, I apologise again, um, but we are back, uh, as always, on the Wednesdays with a new episode. Um, what to punt up, the tour's still ongoing, we're going to be running this right the way through to June. Some more dates have been added, um, there's been a date added at the Storytelling Centre in Edinburgh, and another date added in Belfast as well, at the Accidental Theatre. But coming up, February the 7th, Barfields Theatre in Largs. Um, like I said, one ticket left for that. So, hey, if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I want to come along, but I don't want to be a wee loner, get the ticket, man. We're all fucking in this together. It'll be a great night. So grab your ticket, Barfield's Largs. Um, there may actually even be an option maybe to move that into another room. So get on the website anyway and check out to see if there are any more tickets. Contact the venue directly. And then February 23rd, I head north to Webster's Theatre and Arbroath, um, which is going to be an amazing night. I love it up there. I will continue to go back to Arbroath for as long as they will have me. Wonderful people, wonderful venue. Um, so I hope to see you there. And then March the 7th in Glasgow, there is a handful of tickets left for mid-30s or something um, for what will be the brand new show 
at the Classic Grand in Glasgow. So get on the website, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk and get your tickets for one of those tour shows. All the other tour dates, Cambridge, Bothwell, Calerne, um, Belfast, Livingston, Edinburgh and Dunoon, they are all on the website. Go there, get your tickets and I will hopefully see you on the battlefield soon. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, share, review the podcast. If you've got any friends and family, colleagues, whatever, who don't listen, if you think they'd enjoy it, send them my way. Let's keep building the numbers and I will see you on a battlefield soon, man. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourself. Onwards. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.